perfectos. This brings back memories. Okay, okay. Lost okay. my virginity to this song. Did you? To your, to your uncle? <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the... Gentlemen! Dojo. Oh, yeah, feeling it. Feeling it. Uh, to my left, from Detroit, Michigan. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, Thank you. You have the body of a bloated river corpse from a CSI episode. I'm upgrading. Thank you, sir. Uh, <laughs> say my name. You didn't say my name. Oh, yeah. Uh, Go ahead. Say my name. What is it? Say my name, bitch. <laughs> 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 to my right, he plays sea rooms all around the country. Well, I'll say your name, Gary Cannon. Oh, there you go. He plays D rooms all around the country. Gary, at quarter capacity. I gave capacity. you a nice introduction. Yeah, yeah, it was great. At quarter capacity, if you need somebody for your children's birthday party this New Year's Eve, he is completely free. Steve Byrne, everybody. Should I go to Gigmasters again? <laughs> Should I read you the review? You do pull that up quite a bit. Unbelievable. Well, playing us in today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're excited. We've been trying to get her as part of our show for a long time, but her schedule is so, so busy. Are, are you bummed that you created the show and everybody else is now continuing to work but you? Gary. Does that bother you at all? Everybody. I mean, that, I mean, that's not a knock on you. I know it seems like it would be. How were the like, shows this weekend in Irvine Improv? What did you think of those? They are fine. Packed. I looked at my... <laughs> packed? Yeah. My check wasn't packed. <laughs> yeah. They saw your act. Um, playing us in. From the album Strings Attached, yeah. we love her. Oh, man. She's the greatest. Literally one of the greatest human beings you'll meet in your life. So nice. So nice. Christine Ebersole. Christine Ebersole. Yes, who played Carol, Carol Walsh, on our show Sullivan and Son for three seasons. Yes. And always, always uh, was in a great mood to joke around about the quality of the show. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my favorite moment from Christine, which we'll talk about on the air, but with her... But my favorite moment was when we were at Dan Laurie's barbecue, yeah. and I was just making fun of the show, and Christine was laughing, hunched over, and she said, sometimes the funniest things are true. <laughs> <laughs> and she was just hunched over at me making fun of you and the show yeah. and all this other stuff. It was absolutely great. But, I mean, for, for us to have her on the show was amazing. I mean, th this is a, a Tony Award-winning actress, and she obviously... Step back three pegs to do our show. Gary. Did she or didn't she? I mean, we're having a conversation. It's a podcast. We, we talk. <laughs> Gary. Anyways. Th this is the only time we've actually played the whole song through. Really? But she's on just the phenomenal. She's yeah. on the phone right now. So excited to have her. Please welcome to the Gentleman's Dojo, our good friend, calling in from, I believe, Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City? I think she's working. Christine Ebersole, Tulsa. everybody. Hey. Tulsa. 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 How are you, Christine? How are you guys? I miss you. I miss you. We miss you so much, and we were just playing I'll Be Seeing You from Strings Attached, which I listen to quite often. Um, thank you so much for calling in. Oh my gosh! Thanks for having me, Christine. We were saying. How are you guys doing? We were saying are that. You, are you guys in LA? We are both in Los yes. Angeles. Yes. Yes. I'm working here how in LA. How Steve's are you not. Doing right now. Uh well, there's a, a lot of kids picketing. There's a lot of the downtown. The freeways have been shut down. Um, a lot of uh, angry, angry youth, angry people. Yeah. Television ratings were great on Wednesday. 
the reports came in, but it seemed like the town was still bummed for some reason. I have no idea what happened. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing? It's good. It's laughing wildly amidst the severest woe. That's what I. Yeah. <laughs> now, what, what do you? What, what brings you to Tulsa? What are you doing in Tulsa? I'm doing a new movie called Starbright. Starbright. That was actually Gary's party name back in the eighties. That, that was. <laughs> that was. Starbright's here. Word. Let's get it going. <laughs> what is the film about, Christine? <laughs> it's kind of a fantasy movie that has spiritual overtones. Well, I, I think this probably plays to you because you are quite spiritual. Would you agree with that? Yes. Yes. Quite a spiritual young lady. When did this spirituality come into play? Um, because you've always had this calming presence for the three seasons we were on Sullivan and Son. There was always a, a, maybe like an elevated mindset of almost as though maybe it was the writing that made you think this, but it was also like, none of this really matters. <laughs> no, it's not that none of it really matters, but I'm always trying to, I'm always trying to just sort of see, particularly this last week that we've been through, which I think threw everybody for a loop. But, um, and I mean, regardless of what your thoughts are of any of the candidates, I think this was a kind of a big surprise. So um, I think, what I've always tried to practice in this, particularly in this kind of hunger games, you know, <laughs> craziness that's on TV 24 seven, you know, you're just waiting for Katniss to come around with a bow, you know, come around the corner with a bow and arrow. But I've always tried to just watch the movie, just like open the bag of popcorn and watch the movie. I'm always trying to just in a conscious mindset, not get into the movie. Right, and I right. Think that somehow this week I woke up and found myself in the movie. Yeah, I think everybody's kind of feeling that way. I think everybody, look, we all tuned in Tuesday to watch history unfold, and instead we saw history unfolding. And it was, you know, it's how you interpret it, but it's all just quite, I, I don't think anybody saw it coming. I don't think the campaign saw it coming, and it's all quite shocking, but it's, uh, I think people need entertainment more than ever. As we saw, we were just at the Irvine Improv, and people were just uh -huh. packing the clubs. They wanted to laugh. They wanted a release. But we got to uh -huh, get back to you. Uh -huh. a, a lot of people don't know this. On Sullivan and Son, you and Brian were co-anchors, correct, on Weekend Update? Yeah. I And it was we the first... I was 35 years... No, more than that. I don't know. Was it 35 years ago? I well, It was 1980, right? Yeah. Wow. 1981, 81. So it was 81, 82. So yeah, 35 years ago that we worked together. Unbelievable. And you were part of such an iconic, uh, I mean, you were one of the very few. And, and I, I, I mean, when you look back, when you recollect upon your resume, does that stand out to you? Is that something you're proud of? The fact that you were one of very few people to make it through, through the sifter and not only make it on SNL, but behind that anchor desk? Yeah, I mean, it was really quite rarefied air. I don't think I realized it at the time, uh, but it was such a convergence of so many different aspects of the business that I happened to be involved in. I mean, I had just um, 
I had just come off the road playing Guinevere opposite Richard Burton and Richard Harris. <laughs> and then, to, <laughs> I mean, it really is comical when you think about it. And then to come off, you know, to come off of that tour and then go into Saturday Night Live and then be in that situation for a year and then leave that and then do my first film, Tootsie, and then after that, Amadeus. So it was like crazy, my God. this crazy sort of convergence of all these different things that were happening at once. You have this it amazing was, career. How how desperately do you try to get Sullivan and Son removed from your IMDb page? Gary. Completely honest, Christine. Gary. I mean, listen, Steve, Steve left the room. Let me tell you something. That was one of the highlights of my career. Highlights? I mean that sincerely. I mean that sincerely. I don't mean just in terms of like, I think mostly it was in terms of the family that was right. created from Sullivan and Son. It was a good group. It was a great group, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we all ate lunch together. It was. To my eye when I think about it. <laughs> it, it, it is. It is weird. And I have to. I have to credit that to Steve Byrne because Steve, I told you, the fish stinks in the head, and you set the tone. Well. You set the tone. But it is so odd you looking don't back. Get that. That's very verified air. You do not get that on every show that you're in. Well, thank you. But it is interesting looking looking forward a couple years after Sullivan and Son has ended. The star and creator of the show is the only one not working for that show. That it, Gary, everybody else, <laughs> shut up. Yes, Jesus Christ, Christine. <laughs> when did you discover you could sing, and that when did you discover you could make a living out of singing? When you actually the checks are coming in. I, I mean. You have just such a I'll get into the show about what what I witnessed in New York and we always knew you could but when did you discover that that you had this talent? Um well I think I might have mentioned to you that uh when I was my father who was always had this fascination with uh you know tape recorders and of course when I was little the kind that you had with those big boxes that were kind of these reel to reel tape recorders Right and the, the big microphones and everything, but he kind of fashioned himself as like this Edward R. Murrow kind of figure, you know? Yeah. And he would conduct, he would literally conduct interviews with the children, you know? It's like, <laughs> and there's this, there's this one thing that he sent me when he had, when it had gone to cassette tape. So he transferred it from reel to reel to cassette. And on that tape was uh, Christmas Eve, 1956. Okay, do the math. I'm, I'm three years old. And my, and the way it starts out was, um, you know, my dad says, uh, it's Christmas Eve, 1956, and <laughs> what you're hearing is mother at the piano playing Christmas carols, and the kids are singing, and pop is about to join them, you know? So, <laughs> and then it goes to my mom playing the piano, and they're singing Jingle Bells, and everybody's singing, and my mother says, let Christy sing the chorus, just Christy. You ready, Christy? And my brother goes, sing! So I sing a chorus of Jingle Bells at three years old, completely on pitch. Wow. So that's just an indicator that it was a gift from God, you know? So that's just it. I was given the gift. So I'm very grateful for that. And so I, it's something that I always love to do. I always love to sing. I never really translated it into that was a profession that I wanted to get into until I was uh, about 20. 
And I have to ask I have to ask you this of all the I mean you've done everything you're one of the few I mean you are a throwback I I think back in the day you yeah. look at all those iconic performers they literally could go from stage to screen to albums and they were the triple threat and you're one of the few triple threats I believe that truly does exist today of all the different mediums from Broadway to album recordings, to television, to sitcom, to dramatic, to film. What is your favorite art form that you feel most comfortable in, and why? Well, it's such an that's such an interesting question because I always like to say, you know, that I like what's in front of me. You know, so if I'm doing a movie, I like that what's in front of me. If I'm doing television, I like that what's in front of me. That's how Gary feels I at a bar at two fifteen. <laughs> He just what's likes in what's in front of, of him. Of yeah. course. <laughs> what's Sorry. your name, sir? <laughs> but, but I think what I I think I find the, what is the most challenging and ultimately the most fulfilling is nightclub cabaret. And because particularly because of like what you saw, right? It's not the general. It's not. It's a kind of to me a lost art form. And I don't know that there's anybody that does it like like I do because it, in a way it's constructing a narrative of you know something that strikes your heart and yes. then creating an entire it's almost like a mini musical in a way that has a beginning a middle and an end and you kind of get on the train at the beginning it's not I don't I don't do the club act like well for my next number I'd like to do a little Cole Porter you know I don't do it like that yeah it's a story that's based on something that's in my heart that I a story I want to tell and then the music sort of surrounds that and tells the story and then there's the narrative that's in between almost like the dialogue and then the song in a musical except that I'm not writing the music, I'm writing the narrative and using the music to support the narrative. Because when I when I saw you, and of course, just blown away, I mean, you're so damn talented, Bette Midler is there to watch you. Wow. She's sitting right behind Roy Wood and I. And when Bette Midler comes to see you, you know you're, you're killing it. But you, <laughs> you reminded me of, uh, you know, I listen to a lot of these old school... Sinatra in concert, Dean Martin in concert, um, all these iconic crooners, and they, I think Sinatra did it, did it best. And, and obviously, what you were doing, there is a narrative introducing yeah. each one of the pieces that was either comedic or dramatic in tone. And mm. I, you know, the one thing I wanted to ask you after having watched you in the nightclub, I don't think in the nightclub in that intimate setting you can ever go on autopilot. It seemed like every single joke, every note, everything, every ounce of your soul, you were singing and you were there in the moment. And I think it's because of the intimacy you have to be, because I, I'm sure maybe on when you're on Broadway, you could put yourself on autopilot and you're still delivering the performance. I don't know that I, I don't know that I, I guess, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. But I don't know if you can ever, when you're doing, I don't know that as an artist or, or an actor or performer, you're ever on autopilot, are you? Well, we were talking to... I, I don't know, maybe I guess there are some people. I, I can't do it. I can't operate that way. I think sometimes you can be. Can't. There have been times where I'm in the middle of my act, and I'm thinking, what am I going to eat afterwards? But I'm I'm still talking. I'm doing well, the that's joke. True. I, I, I do that, too. I do that, too. I mean, you skip ahead. 
But but that's you know it's always you're always dragging yourself back to the moment because it's only when you're in the moment that you can deliver the good. You know what I mean? And that's what I think. I think in watching you in that setting at the Carlisle, it seemed like you were constantly in the moment, and I think that that's the difference. That's what engages the audience. And I was with oh. you the whole ride, whether it's laughing about, you know, helping uh, helping us pay your college kids' tuitions <laughs> or those dramatic beats about talking about your husband. It just Every second mm-hmm. was enjoyable, and it seemed oh. as though you were enjoying it as much as the audience. And is that is that true? Is it you know? I know up top you're well, joking yeah, around about the sum, because the sum is the great is greater than its parts. You know, in other words, if I'm like doing it in the shower, it's in a vacuum, and it's really it's the it's the connection. The audience is really the invited player. Mm-hmm. You know, the collective invited player that kind of in in the act with you because they're on the ride with you so you can be you know telling them the sights and everything but by yourself it, it doesn't have any meaning why it's do you something to be shared and that's that that through that sharing of that experience then we all have this collective sort of transformation and can identify with those feelings mm-hmm have some kind of emotional experience, you know? Can I ask you, I want to ask you a question that unfolds into another question. Why do you consider a nightclub act, a cabaret act, a lost art form? And then how did that prepare you for, I mean, the ultimate of the ultimates for anybody working, especially in Manhattan, to to go on and win a Tony Award, not only once but twice? Do you feel that your roots in in being a nightclub performer helped in a lot of ways in terms of the path to the Tony? Well, I think it's, it's true. I mean, I, you can probably identify with this as well. When you're, um, when you're in a club, um, you're not, it's you. <laughs> you're not hiding behind anything. There's no, like, uh, you know, part to play uh, you know, lines to read. I mean, you, you do have a script, but it's you. You're mm-hmm. not, I'm not playing like, you know, a matador from the 1700s. <laughs> I mean, it's just me, you know? Right. So I can't hide behind anything. So that's the part that's the most terrifying, but it also allows me as the artist to become authentic. Mm-hmm. My authentic self that I'm not dependent on these tricks, these bag of tricks, whatever this, you know, fake stuff that we put out there to protect ourselves from the audience and shield ourselves from the audience. You're so laid bare. I mean, you know all about that. I mean, you're so completely laid bare and it's in that sort of terrifying moment that you can experience that authenticity and also allow that to be enough right because that's all we have is ourselves and our experience so to be able to share that to boldly be able to share that authentic self is i think the most frightening and yet the most fulfilling and rewarding when you take that leap across the you know, the, the Rubicon, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> the 
Rubicon of self, you know? <laughs> yes. Christine, I want to rewind for just a second because, you know, every comic, every actor, everybody who's in show business has that moment where they realize they've made it. They can be financially successful without having to go back. Enough so about Sullivan and Son. <laughs> I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't experienced that yet. <laughs> Come on. What, what was... Listen, what was... No, I mean it. I, it's the gypsy life. You know it? It really is. But there, there must have been a I moment for you. Know, you. The truth is funny. That's what I meant when I... When I said you're all helping me out pay the college debt, <laughs> but the, the truth is funny. So. But there must have been a moment, right? Like a moment where you got this this job. Like, what was your your first big break that you're like, oh wow, I I I really feel like I'm yeah, accomplished. There's no such thing as that. There's no such thing as making it. You're only as good as your last five minutes. You know that. Well, Gary's shitty then. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, once you start, once you start, you know, resting on your lawyer laurels, you're sunk. So you're saying despite all the success you've had, you still worry where the next gig's going to come from? I don't, yeah, I, I don't worry as much as wonder. That's a great way to look at it because I think people that do recollect and identify themselves as that role usually are always stuck in that role. But I think if you're looking forward as the roaming gypsy does, I, I think it's the better way to look at it. I think Jay Leno kind of had the same mindset where he never cashed his... Or he never spent his uh, tight show, show checks, yeah, because right. he was always nervous that he'd lose the gig. Right, uh -huh. but that seems almost uh -huh. another uh -huh. way of being extreme. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I, I did you? I would assume you had to cash your Sullivan and Son checks, Gary, please, because you needed the money for laundry. <laughs> Gary, <laughs> Christine, I want to ask you because that was the pinnacle of my career in terms of money. And I need it. That's true. <laughs> what is it that was, like? That was my. That was my. Those were the bonanza years. <laughs> Christine's trying to put, pitch a Sullivan and Son movie. Now it's back to unemployment. <laughs> Collecting my pension. What is it like to win a Tony Award? What is it like to hear your name and walk down the aisle and go up and accept oh, it's that? Very, it's very, you know, it's, uh, you know, of course it's thrilling, but it's really stressful. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's just stressful because that, that's not why you get into the business. You know, you're in the business because, you know, you just want to do the work and you know and of course it's always so appreciated to be recognized and to be acknowledged but you know there's a lot of there's just a lot of pressure you know those I think now I mean going forward I I don't think I would approach it in the same way because I kind of feel like I already went to the summit you know what I mean right the flag so um, everything else is gravy, but you know, is this a lot of pressure? Well, you know, competition not so fun. Yeah, it's not fun in the arts. You know what I mean? Not yeah. fun. Um, no, I mean, I want... you have to compete all the time. So it's like, oh, you got it now. You got to compete for awards too. You know? <laughs> That's why Steve has the best That's approach. Another layer, you know. Steve's got the best approach. Don't even get nominated. Gary, it's better that way. <laughs> okay. But, see, that's, but, but, but bottom line is, you know, even though there's a lot of pressure, still, I mean, now that's forever, like, in front of my name, two-time Tony Award or whatever. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, it does, it does change things in a way. I mean, I, I can't say I'm, I make more money, but, um, you know, I'm still in the game. I mean, exactly. that's really the only barometer. I can just, like, I'm still here, you know? Mm-hmm. Still in the game. 
So I don't know. How difficult has it? Regardless of getting Tonys or not, I don't know. Right. I want to ask you how difficult has it been, because you have three wonderful children. How difficult has it been to maintain the life of a gypsy and still be such a great parent? Because your kids, you brought them to the set. They adore you. They love you. And I'm sure there's been ups and downs. But how difficult is it be it, to be a parent, but then to leave to go to a film set across the country or to, you know, be part well, of... Well, you know about that. You know about that. It's tough. It's really tough. Yeah. It was really tough growing up, you know, when they were growing up. I really feel like I missed out a lot, you know. And there's, there's, a, there's so much... I mean, I'm better at it because I'm trying to practice not rewriting history. Because it's a never-ending vortex, you know, right. what, what you didn't do right, you know, and what you missed out on and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But you but also... I guess the lesson in that is that the only moment is now. So, and, and that this is, that's where God lives and that's where love lives is only in the moment. So, and it's an ongoing thing. It's a continual ongoing practice of um, involvement and acceptance and understanding and all that. Right. I mean, the relationship with your children changes, but it's not, it it, it changes, but the need for one another is still, or let's say my need to be a parent to my children never wavers or diminishes. Right. But there's also In that fact, cool. In fact, I think it even gets bigger. It gets bigger. But there is there is that cool moment of like, obviously, you know, you do what you do, and your kids get to come fly from New York, yeah. to be in L.A. Yeah. to be on the Warner Brothers lot. I mean, there's not a lot of kids, yeah. you know, especially if you're living in the Midwest, you know, maybe here in L.A. But there's not a lot of kids that get to do that. Yeah. In the summer, hang out on a lot. You know, wish they were. I know. You know, rather. That was so great. Wish they were so on the Big Bang great. Theory stage instead. My boys got to be on the set, you know? Yeah, I mean, I that's... That. They loved that. They just loved it. Yeah, and, I mean, that's yeah, just a cool I moment. Think that they're really proud of me, you know? They're really proud of me. But it just definitely had its, you know, downside because, um, you know, Steve, it's like it's always trying to create a balance, you know? And it's very difficult when you have the gypsy life and you, you, you need that next job. You need it, you know? It's not yeah. like I've got millions of dollars and just, like, hang out, you know, in the lounge chair. I can't do it, you know? So, uh, can't afford to retire. Right. But at the same time, the, the, the good news about that is, is that that also, necessity being the mother of invention, it also keeps the creativity going. Right. Because I can't rest on my laurels. I can't just, like, you know, take a year off or whatever. But don't you think, Christine, the other thing is, too, like, let's say you had an endless amount of money. I think the way all of us are programmed anyway is that none of us are wanting to retire anyway. I think all of us just want to keep working until the very end. I mean, that's how I see it. I mean, I don't I don't think about a 401k or any of that. Like, I just because I just see myself continuing to work until the very end because, you know, that's what we do. Yeah, I think that's what, you know, keeps us alive. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it really does. I mean, you know, those days where you're not feeling great or you're going through something and you get up on stage and you start entertaining people. And it's Uh the greatest. I mean, it's the greatest rush for that hour, hour and a half that you're up on stage. It really does make all the difference. 
And it is kind of like a healing balm, you know, because in the craziness of the world, it's like one place that that people can, you know, receive medicine, like healing medicine, you know, yeah. for the soul, for the soul. And, um, you know, there's something to be said about that. What What advice would you have, Christine, for somebody brand new to the business? Like, let's say your 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 kids came up to you and said, hey. You know, we want to get into show business. What advice would you have for somebody like that? Well, I think that um, the really the barometer uh, to see if you have the personality type is uh, your passion and your drive. If you don't have drive, you're sunk. Because you have to have, it has to be an insatiable appetite for it because uh, there's a lot of rejection and, uh, it's a dog eat dog shark pool, you know? Yeah. Um, and you have to, you have to, you have to know your worth. You have to, you have to believe in your self and believe in your talent and that the talent is worth sharing and worth putting up with all of the rejection, you I know, do. rather than seeing if you, when you're rejected, rather than seeing it as like, well, I guess I'm not really good, you know, just say it. Well, I'll show you. Right. <laughs> I do you didn't think... hire me. Just wait. Okay. It's that kind of a, it, it has to be that kind of passion and drive and love for what you do. Mm-hmm. I do think drive is important, but but Steve has proof you don't need personality. Gary. That is true. Jesus. That's very true. God almighty. Christine, <laughs> with all that being said, as we near the finish line, do you have another, um, you know, nightclub performance set up in Manhattan? Are you touring soon again so people can come out and check you out? Well, uh, what's happening is um, in January uh, – I'm going to be at the end of January. I'm going to be starting rehearsal for War Paint. And that's that's the right. New musical uh, that's opening on Broadway April 6th. We wow. have our first pre March 7th. So I, my next year, uh, hopefully, hopefully, is uh, tied up with that. God bless. Of that's course, great. You never know. You never know. You just, it, again, it's the gypsy life. You know, you can sign a <laughs> year contract and it closes, I mean, God forbid, closes opening night. I've been in those situations. Right. Does that when show you need a warm-up? When you have your Tony Ward speech planned and, you know, you get your closing notice that night. <laughs> oh, my God. So, well, yeah. it's not going to happen this time. Christine, let me know if that show needs no, a warm-up. No. I will fly out. Gary, it does <laughs> not <laughs> need a warm-up. It'd be nice to do a good show for a change. Gary! <laughs> Christine. By the way, can we say this too? What? How great was it to see Christine's name on a Jeopardy answer? The oh, greatest. yeah. Oh, you made greatest. it on Jeopardy. Uh, How it was, great. It was, a, it was a $2,000 question. That's yeah. right. Somebody got it. You're yeah. not $150. You're a $2,000 question. Played play boozy uh, Carol Walsh. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I, that's I, awesome. That's it. It's St. Sullivan and Son. That's when you know you made it, when you're a Jeopardy answer or you're created as a Simpsons character. That's true. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I, so, Christine, you the threshold. In, in our book, I know that you're, you're, you, you, you say that you're living uh, 
check to check, but uh, we don't believe you. So we yeah. uh, we, we know what uh, what's going on there. When we saw the when we saw the Jeopardy answer, we're like, yeah, she's she's, she's doing all right. Yeah, she's fine. She's <laughs> fine. Awesome. Yes. Well, Christine, this is not the big. Isn't that the big illusion? If you go on Wikipedia or whatever. And you say, look up Christine Eversol's net worth. It's a big question mark. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, well, you look up Gary's, and Gary says government assisted. I'm, I'm, I'm hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt because of three children in college. That's my reality. Well, Wikipedia is inaccurate because if you go on Steve's page, it says comedian. Christine, Gary. it has been a pleasure. <laughs> Christine, we love you. Love you, We Christine. cannot thank you enough. We look forward love to seeing you. War Paint yes. in April in on the Great White Way. And uh, continued success to you. We love you so much. Oh, I love you, too. Love you guys. Thanks so much Thanks for calling for in, Christine. And good luck with your movie. Thanks. We love you. Yeah, we're going to play off. Love okay, you. great. Okay, to a little bye. Christine ever saw. Love you, Christine. Bye now. Love you. Bye. So this is Christine and Billy Stritch. In your dreams, I'm telling you, I listen to stuff when I'm in my garage, writing, writing, writing. This is a write? very no. This is uh, and still make more than you. This is Gary. a very. <laughs> <laughs> this is very soothing music. Very soothing. She's the best. I'm telling you, if you get a chance, I think she was. You know what she said? Nightclub, cabaret acts are a lost art form. It's true. Yeah. She does it right. She's great. Um, if you get a chance, check her out. ChristineEbersol.com. She's on Twitter. All of it. She's keeping up with the kids. Um, that, that wraps up another Gentleman's Dojo. So much fun. So much fun. Thanks to Christine Ebersol. Thanks to everybody here at All Things Comedy for letting us do this crazy little thing. Yeah. And thank you to my good buddy Steve Byrne. Fuck off. At the Gentleman's Dojo. <laughs> Goodbye. If the nightingales could sing like you, they'd sing much sweeter